So well done. Beautiful. I've never heard that. Mercy tree. Wow. I wish I was preaching on that this morning. Wouldn't it be great if I said, isn't that something, how they knew exactly what... Sometimes that happens, but not today. That was wonderful, though. Thank you so much. I know a lot of work went into that. Well done. You know, that would be good to sing in the tent. That would be great. Have that ready, group. And uh, that would be good. All right, Mark chapter 11. Thank you. Mark chapter 11. Is tonight ice cream night? Yes, sir. Yeah? Probably mentioned, just mention it again. Young people are going to the mission field. I know Jeremiah was talking about the trip. But you can get a nice ice cream tonight, make a donation, and it helps the kids as they go on that mission trip. And has anybody uh, been picked yet for the ice cream dump? Oh, good. It's not me. I was the original years ago. And the only mistake I made that night, I wore a brand new suit that night. And uh, it did a number on my suit. But it was worth it. God did a lot of things on that trip. I think, I think we raised like $1,000 or something that year extra that we didn't count on. So he said, what are you talking about? Well, you have to come. Come tonight and find out what we're talking about, okay? But it'll be great. Mark chapter 12 this morning. going to look at one verse. What did I say? Did I say 11? Well, I meant 12. You ought to know better, church. By now, when I say 12, I mean 11. I mean 11, I mean 12. All right, so Mark 12, Mark 12. Just a page over, it'll be okay. Mark 12, verse 34. And when Jesus saw that he answered discreetly, he said unto him, Thou art not far from the kingdom of God. And no man after that durst ask him, any question. That little phrase there, thou art not far from the kingdom of God. Now I knew the Lord was talking there that that man was getting drawn to believing. I understand that. But I want to use that as a thought today, not far from the kingdom of God. And I want to talk today for a little bit, how far is heaven? That's my thought. How far is heaven? Let's pray. Lord, Bless now the preaching of thy word. It's been so wonderful here today. The sweet spirit. And boy, what a song, Lord, that glorify your son, Jesus Christ. I pray, Holy Father, that what is said today will honor Jesus. Dear Holy Spirit, we look to you to empower today. And I pray, Lord, for an unction from you to preach your word today. Arrest our hearts. I know many things are on the hearts of your people when they come into any service. Pressures and stresses and things that have happened during the week, things that they have on their mind even yet to do today. And Lord, I pray that you'd help us just put aside all that for a little bit and hear from you through your word. Help me, Lord, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. How far is heaven? Good question. I've had to go to a number of funerals of late. Anytime anymore that I go to funerals, it seems to stay with me a little longer than normal. 
I don't know why. I'm a pretty sentimental guy anyway, but as I get older, I'm a little softer, I think, a little bit more sentimental. And uh, there's a kind of something that, uh, an emotion that stays with me for a few days, sometimes even weeks of late. I've gone to Pastor Bob McDonald's funeral, Pastor Don Gregory's funeral, went to, Pat, to Brother Bill McLaren's funeral. Uh, and then this week I got a call, Brother Mort Smith's son, uh, Wade passed away. He'd been sick for a long time. Family asked me if I would do the funeral this coming Thursday. So please pray for me as I'll have opportunity to preach the gospel and try to comfort those folks. But funerals come and go quite a bit. But a funeral is a reminder of the brevity of life each and every time. Funeral is a reminder that our own day of death is coming. A funeral is an opportunity for the gospel to be preached and shared with those that need to know Jesus. A funeral can be used of God to speak to us in individual ways. Hopefully, it can be used to bring someone to Christ. Sometimes a funeral can be used to get a backslider back to God. God seems to work in funerals. Well, funerals are one thing for me each and every time, too. They remind me of the blessed assurance that heaven is my home someday. See, I settled my sin debt with Jesus Christ over 40 years ago. And although I hate to lose a loved one or a friend when I go to funerals to be there in that sense, but I know if they know the Lord, I'll see them again. What a grand reunion day that will be. And I have no worries in my own heart about my eternal life because I know it's sealed in Christ Jesus, my Lord. I have a confidence but today I want to just think about heaven just a little bit. How far is heaven? Heaven is a prepared place we know from Scripture. Jesus said in John 14, I go to prepare a place for you. Isn't that wonderful? The Lord's getting things ready for you and I that know him. Heaven is a real place. Heaven is a radiant place. I had not seen nor hear what God had prepared for them that love him. Heaven is a place of the redeemed. Gathered, singing, rejoicing. Heaven is a reunion spot, a place with great joy uh, that we cannot even begin to understand. But my thoughts go on this morning is this, how far is heaven? My key thought, and I want to kind of say a few things connected to that that I think will help us as we sit here in church on this fine Sunday morning. Now, it's a good thought. It's good to ponder. For someone that may be here today and you don't know Jesus as your Savior, I want to say this. You know, heaven is not that far from you. If you'll just take a step of faith and trust Jesus Christ as your only means and hope of salvation. I know that if you're here today, somebody perhaps has invited you or you've been witness to prior to this uh, appointment today. And again, I never know on any given Sunday who's going to be there and who's not going to not be there. And I'm just saying, if you're here today and you don't know for sure you're saved, this is an opportunity for you to draw nigh to heaven, to the kingdom of God. If you're here today unsaved, Jesus wants to save your soul. And then we're here today as saved Christians, followers of Jesus Christ. And we need to be re reminded and we need to realize that heaven is watching. Heaven is aware. The Bible says in Hebrews 12, 1, Wherefore, seeing we are 
also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses. Let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us. And let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Now those that have gone on ahead of us, our family, our loved ones, our friends, our, our brothers and sisters in Christ, they have ran their race. Now they look to us to run ours. They cheer us on, of course, toward victory line. They cheer us on in times of temptation. They cheer us on when we're facing sorrows, when they know that Satan has come down hard upon us through some difficulty or some temptation. They say to us, run your race. It's worth it. Stay faithful. I taught in Sunday school this morning, don't quit. Don't quit. Jesus urged the early church, and he, he urged and spoke to the churches in Revelation chapter 2. Go there if you would. He speaks to each one of them individually about some positive things he had to say to them, and he has, of course, some negative things to say to them to stir them up and to cause them to go on. But in Revelation chapter 2, I just want to read a little bit here about the church at Ephesus. The Bible says in Revelation 2 and verse 1, Under the angel of the church of Ephesus write, These things saith he that holdeth seven stars in his right hand, who walketh in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks. I know thy works, and thy labor, and thy patience. Thou canst not bear them which are evil. Thou hast tried them which say they are apostles and are not, and hast found them liars. And hast borne, watch that, and hast patience, notice that, and for my name's sake hath labored and hast not fainted. Nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee, because thou hast left thy first love. Well, we could go on and talk about these other churches, but the church at Ephesus will help us at this point. Here, Jesus is urging them to go on. He urges them to remain patient in the midst of their trying, their testing, their persecutions. In verse 3, we just read you bore, he said, they had borne and hast patience. So he's encouraging them, keep patient, keep, keep pressing on. In verse 3, he also encourages them to continue and to remain faithful. He says to them, thou hast not fainted. They endured, they carried on through persecution, times of trouble, difficulty. Then he admonishes them, we just read that in verse 5, to do the first works. He says, go on and do the first works. Remember when you first got saved, how exciting it was? Everything was so new. I do. I remember I was so ignorant of biblical things. And boy, I got saved and started reading my Bible. And it was so wonderful. And <clears throat> the wonderful thing about it was I understood it before. I never understood it. But I had now the Spirit of God within me. And as I read the Word of God, I, I began to understand the things of God. And the preacher who is the teacher, preacher, would lay things out and I would just be in awe of what he preached and taught. And I would say, oh yeah, I get it now. Oh, that's wonderful. That's first works. That's first love. And after a while we're saved and we've heard it all before. What's he going to say now, you know? Oh, <laughs> oh, I tell you what. So many times... I think to myself, why in the world does anybody listen to me? And after hearing my sermon sometimes online, I say it again, why in the world? But people are so kind, they say nice things to me. 
uh, they come by and shake my hand and say, that was a good sermon today, Pastor. And then I wonder, well, what, what, what about the last one? You know, uh, That was really good today. Boy, you've been really doing a good job of late. Well, that shakes me up a little bit. Brother Dale, he, he says to me, you're a unique preacher. Now, I, Brother Tom, I struggled with that for several days. And he said, no, that's not bad. That's good. Unique is good. I said, oh, oh, oh praise the Lord. But listen, listen. I have left off my first love at times. I have not done the first works at times. And we're all in this. We understand that. And Jesus is telling them, do the first work. Go back to that first time, that freshness, that excitement in your Christian life. Amen. You know, walking with the Lord sometimes is work, but it's worth it. It's worth it. Study to show thyself approved unto God. Amen. So go on and serve the Lord, Jesus is telling the church here. With the same love and desire and intensity and energy when you first got saved. The Honeymoon Stage of the Divine Romance. There's a great book, Christian book called The Divine Romance. Look it up. What a great book about our relationship with Jesus Christ. Thank God for the honeymoon stage in marriage. Boy, my wife and I, we took off as a young married couple. We were so excited about life and uh, so excited about our honeymoon. And we got there and we joined uh, the, the time together and then we were walking down uh, the lane there in Niagara Falls and lo and behold I saw something that gave me a, a upset stomach right away it was her entire family walking toward us on vacation they didn't know we were going there and we didn't know they were going there and then I'm a young man just getting married and I'm thinking oh no But they understood. They said, oh, we're going our way. We'll see you later. But that first love, that excitement, that intensity, that desire to be, you know, with the one we love. And I remember first trusting Christ as my Savior. And listen, I fell in love with Jesus. I fell in love with this word. I fell in love with the people of God, with everything to do with the things of God. Listen, if you've never experienced that, you need to. And if you have and left off, you need to ask God to give that back in your heart. First love of divine romance. Heaven's not that far away, saints. I just want to tell you this morning. Revelation 2 and verse 10. Fear none of those things which thou shalt suffer, we're, we're told. Behold, the devil shall cast some of you into prison, and that ye may be tried, and ye shall have tribulation ten days. He's talking to the church and telling them some of the horrible things they're going to face because now they're believers in Jesus Christ. But he says this, Be thou faithful unto death, and I will give you a crown of life. Hey, we're all going to face things in this life. We're going to have some troubling times, and we're going to have some heartache, and we're going to have, we're going to have times of sorrow, loss. But there's coming a day, and it's not that far away. That we're going to be reunited with our Lord and our loved ones. And we're going to understand everything will be worth it. All the sacrifices and pain and suffering and disappointment and discouragement. 
will be passed away. Amen? I'm trying to tell you to say, heaven's not that far off. Now that I've got your attention, I just want to go through a few things this morning. I hope this is an encouraging message because we all need that every once in a while. Amen? And I want to say this. Heaven is as close as, and I'm going to give you some points to ponder. And hopefully we'll leave out here today thinking about heaven, thinking about how God, God, good God is. And, and we know that we're not far off from being there. Heaven is as close as, number one, a whisper of a prayer. In Matthew chapter 7 and verse 7, the Bible says this, Ask and ye shall, it shall be given you. Seek and ye shall find. Knock and it shall be opened unto you. You know, I, I, I read those verses and it's an amazing thing to me still today when I ponder about God hearing my prayers. I mean, just hearing my prayers, let alone answering many of them. When you really think about it, because look, I and you, we're unworthy. We are so insignificant when you think about the majesty of God. We are so small and so undeserving of God's attention when we really realize what we were before we came to know Christ. And really afterwards say what we still are. Go to the book of Isaiah chapter 1. We're going to read how God inspired Isaiah to point out really our condition before a holy God. The true picture of lost depravity. In Isaiah chapter 1, it'll be worth it if you make yourself there, so I'll wait on you. Isaiah chapter 1, and, and look how he pens these words. The prophet Isaiah chapter 1 verse 5, he says, Why should you be stricken anymore? Ye will revolt more and more. The whole head is sick, the whole heart faint. From the sole of the foot, even to the head, there is no soundness in it. But wounds and bruises and putrefying sores, they have not been closed, neither bound up, neither mollified with ointment. He's, he's speaking to his people, Israel, about really their sinful condition. But it's a, it's a picture of all humanity's sinful condition. We look to the book of Jeremiah. Let me read this for you. Chapter 30 and verse 12, it says, For thus saith the Lord, thy bruise is incurable and thy wound is grievous. And God would use the prophets to explain these things. In the book of Leviticus and Deuteronomy and other early texts that Moses penned for his people, he speaks about leprosy. And of course, leprosy was an incurable disease at that time. But it also was a type and a picture of our condition before God. A leper had no feelings. He, it was very contagious. He had to be off by himself. Uh, unclean. An outcast. Separated from his loved ones. Again, the, the biggest thing was absolutely no cure at that time. And we as sinners are likened unto that with our symptoms and signs, spiritually speaking. Our condition before God is bad. We are totally depraved before a totally righteous God. But then Christ steps in. He takes our sin upon him on the cross of Calvary. He has made sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteous of God in him. And listen, we are clean. We are so clean in Christ Jesus. The blood of Christ covers us. The blood of Christ cleanses us from all sin. And that's our standing today before our Lord. 
And we're so unworthy. But God has made us worthy in Christ. We were so unfit, but Christ makes us fit. God so loved us, he gave us his only begotten son, that we could truly have salvation. And I'll be honest, I go to funerals, I never worry. I know where I'm going. I'm in Christ. And death is but a step into glory. How about you? Do you have that confidence? You can have it through the Holy Spirit in the scriptures, for the Holy Spirit tells us that his spirit bears with us our spirit that we're a child of God. I hope you know that. Now, God looks at us as the redeemed. Right now, we're the children of God. Right now, we are forgiven of all sin, past, present, and future in Christ. And we have access to the throne room of God. And that's why I said, listen, you're not far from heaven today. It's just a whisper of a prayer. Hebrews 4.16, let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace and help in time of need. Again, he tells us to ask and seek and knock and it shall be opened unto you. John 16.24, hitherto have you asked nothing in my name. Ask and you shall receive that your joy may be full. That's what the Lord wants. And we come in with pressures and we come in with sadness and we come in with heartache and we come in here with different problems. I'm not minimizing the, the life that we live at times. I'm saying we have victory through Christ our Lord. I'm saying we're not far from heaven. We need to think about it this morning. Glory to God. Hey, praise God. God hears and answers our petitions, our supplications for others. Our God promises prayers that are innumerable and unfailing. Bless his holy name. And although there are times when we pray and we beg God and God does not intervene, we have to turn that over to him. But there are times when we beg God and pray for a long time and then we see the answers come. And it's such a blessing to know that God has heard our prayers. I went to uh, the birth of little Elizabeth the other day. Man. I, I cried most of the time I was there. I tried to be a comfort. I went in there to pray with Becky and, and, and uh, what's his name? <laughs> Kenny. Brother Kenny. And, and I didn't want to be emotional, but you know me, I'm just emotional. I was thanking God for that baby and for the birth of that baby. I'm telling you, it's such a blessing. Twelve long years. They prayed. Went to a graveside for their little one not long ago. Oh, You see, Becky, look at that little baby. God hears and answers prayer. Not too long ago, we were praying for the Narkeviches to have children. Two beautiful girls. Our own son Daniel, he, they didn't know if they were going to have children for four years, and now they can't stop having children, it appears. <laughs> and uh, just so many through the years that God has blessed. Amy wanted a child so bad, and then God gave her these two beautiful children. 
And it was long time coming and prayers and waiting. So many of you out here, I can't think of all the names, but many of you did not know if you were going to have children. I, I, wasn't it that way with, with you, uh, Katie? You, you were wanting to have children, you and Aaron? And there's another example. They can't stop having these kids. <laughs> yes, God fixed it. He fixed it. Amen. Praise God. But on and on, and I know there's some things you're thinking about. I prayed, preacher, and my prayer was not answered I, yet. Yet. And then there are times where we prayed so desperately for something and, and it wasn't to be. And we have to lay that in the Lord's hands and trust Him. But there's coming a day where we will understand all that in heaven by and by. God always has purposes in what He does, even though we don't understand it all. Some terrible things happen to God's people. But God is still good. And God is gracious. I, I love my, my devotional time. I, I read a lot of different people. But I, I like Brother Spurgeon. And he said this about the throne of grace. Now, these, the, listen to this. People don't, people don't talk like this anymore. People don't write like this anymore. And I just, it just thrills me. But listen to what he says. In, in Hebrews 4.16, the throne of grace. Listen to what he says. These words are found embedded in that gracious verse. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find uh, uh, grace to help in time of need. They are a gem in a golden setting. He goes on and says, True prayer is an approach of the soul by the Spirit of God to the throne of God. It is not the utterance of words. It is not alone the feeling of desires, but it is the advance of the desires to God that spiritually approach our own nature toward the Lord our God. Now here's what he says. True prayer is not a mere mental exercise, not a vocal performance. It is deeper far than that. It is spiritual commerce with the creator of all heaven and earth. Oh my goodness. Spiritual commerce with the God of all heaven and earth. Hey, we're not far away. Just a whisper of a prayer. Don't forget to pray. Pray fervently. Pray often. Don't forsake your prayer life. God hears. Second of all, this morning, heaven is as close as a glance in the Word of God. Ha <laughs> ha! Pick up your Bible. Look at it this morning. Come on, get your Bible out here. Take a look. Come on, get your Bible out. Look at it. Some of your, I could say that four times. I'd say five. We'd be here till noon if you want. But take a look at this book right here. This amazing book right here. This book divine right here. Heaven is as close as a glance in this book. Romans chapter 10 and verse 17, so then faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. This is how I got saved through this book. Being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible, by the word of God which liveth and abideth forever. I, got to, I had to have the book to get saved. That's why we got to send missionaries over with the word of God, preached, quoted, read, amen, that they might hear the truth of the gospel. And there are so many people still on this earth that have never seen it one time. Never heard it one time. Don't even know the name of Jesus. Still, 
in the day we live. I'm so grateful for this blessed book. Don't discount it. Don't lay it aside all the time. Don't think if you read through it one time, that's enough. Take your Bible. Look at it. This book before you is amazing. It's the very book of an amazing God. Inspired, given to us, preserved. Amen? And it comes to us from heaven. Heaven's not that far away. I need to hear from heaven. I need to get in this book. Lo, I come in the volume of a book. It is written of me. Get in your Bible. And heaven will speak. So important. I found a poem the other day, and I've never heard it before. And it grabbed my heart. God's word is the poem. God's word is. God's word is truth prevailing, Christ revealing, life giving, grace overflowing. And here's the question. Are you reading it? God's word is faith producing, hope building, strength fortifying, joy increasing, sin cleansing, motive purifying, heart Renewing, mind transforming, abundance providing, righteous empowering, guidance granting, light shining, God's word is. Physical, emotional, rational healing, Satan defeating, mountain moving, overcoming, changing, prayer answering, fear conquering, peace giving, love growing, protection securing, God's word is. Confidence preparing, uh, inheritance providing, seed planting, soul harvesting. God's spirit prevailing. God's word is all powerful, ever enduring, wonderfully proven. God's plan revealing his word. And the question, are you soaking in it, growing in it every day? The word. We are so blessed. To have God's holy word. Amen. I thank God for this old King James Bible. It has brought me through my entire Christian life. And I know it will continue to do so. This word is a blueprint for the soul of salvation. We need to pray God a million times over. Heaven's not that far off. Just a whisper of a prayer. Just a glance in the book. Here's one. It's as close as the comforting and caring hand of a Christian. Think about it. Think of all the people that have touched your life when you needed them just at the right time. Look in Acts chapter 20, and I'll move on and we'll be done. Acts chapter 20, this is so good. The account here is when the Apostle Paul had gone to Ephesus with the gospel. Paul went there and was led of God to reach people with the gospel and then disciple them, mentor them, and then plant a church there. Paul had been there for a little while and there was a church established and uh, now God is calling him on to move somewhere else to propagate and preach the gospel. And in Acts chapter 20, look at verse 32 we read what's going on here in this scene. The Bible says, 
And now, brethren, I commend you to God. He's saying goodbye to these saints. And to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and give you an inheritance among all them which are sanctified. I have coveted no man's silver or gold or apparel. Yea, ye yourselves know. Now watch this. That these hands, see that, that phrase, these hands, have ministered unto my necessity and to them that were with me. And I have showed you all things, how that so laboring you ought to support the weak and to remember the words of our Lord Jesus how he said it is more blessed to give than to receive. And when he had thus spoken, he kneeled down and prayed with them all. And they all wept sore and fell on Paul's neck and kissed him. Sorry most of all for the words which he spake that they should see his face no more. And they accompanied him unto the ship. Heaven's not that far. It's as close as the comforting hands of another Christian. Paul said, these hands. Paul was talking about the hands that he used to take care of himself, but also to take care of the needs of others. The hands that he used to minister to these dear people. He had won them to Christ. He had spent time discipling them and training them. And he, he was bringing up leadership that he could leave the church in their capable hands. But it's time for him to leave and he's sorrowing and they're sorrowing and they're weeping and he's weeping. And he said most of all that he'd see their face no more in this life. <laughs> but there's the afterlife. See that place called heaven. Wow. How hard it must have been for Paul at that, at that scene. I know I remember when I went to Little New Hope Went there just with a handful of people and we went out and looked for a place to plant a church, physical building, and we, there was a little cornfield. I think it was 13, 14 acres cornfield on the corner of 500 and 500 out of Albion just next door to Kendallville. And we went around, held hands and prayed over that piece of property. Just up in the corn. Corn was about to our knees when we prayed for that property. We got that property and Started building. Just all the men got together. Next thing you know, we got a church building. Got in there. We were so excited about that little church. And, you know, really, I thought I'd be there the rest of my days. But we were there about six, almost six and a half years. And God was calling me here. And I love it here. And I thank God he brought us here. But it was hard to say goodbye to those saints. I'll never forget my last sermon there. Turning over the keys. And saying to the church, here's the keys, and I'm moving on. It was hard. We shed lots of tears. We said goodbye. We still fellowship from time to time with them, but God wanted me here. And I'm glad to be here. This is God's will for my life. But I can understand how Paul must have felt, uh, felt when he said goodbye, but he didn't have a chance to go back. Tw the 20th anniversary of the church, they Kendallville, some years back, they called me back and I was there for a special Sunday and preached. They had some folks saved that day. and Everybody was so excited. I was excited that they liked me enough to bring me back. Thinking about it, that was the last time they asked me to. But anyway. Hey, God's been good to me. And I've been thinking about how good God has touched my life with so many different hands this week. Heaven is far away as the comforting hands of another Christian.
the encouraging hands of another Christian, these hands, Paul says. I think about all these people coming in and out of my life. You ought to think about them too. Hands that touched my life, encouraged me and comforted me and admonished me and supported me and expressed love toward me, earnest brotherly kindness toward me and mine. And I want to be that type of Christian, don't you? That I can use these hands to be of some comfort and some encouragement and some help along life's road. Amen? I thank God for all the people that have touched my life. And you know, God wants us to use these hands. I ask you to take a look at your body. Look at your hands today. What are they doing for God? What are these hands doing to comfort and help somebody else? What are these hands doing in this local church? Anything? Anything? These hands. Heaven's close when you think about the hands that have touched your life. People. The hugs and the embraces, the I love yous, friendship, companionship. Got a chance to have Skeeter over the house last Sunday evening after church. And, you know, I hadn't seen him in quite a while. That's the way it is with your friends that go off in ministry. You don't see him, but, but you can be around him in five minutes like he never left. The guy is so stinking funny. I just love him. They moved in their new house this week and they're working on it. Excited to be with their grandkids. They haven't been by their grandkids. He said, well, in a little while, come and visit us. You know I'm going to do that. Fillmore, Utah's an awful long ways away. But now, Ohio, that's not far. Three, four hours. Skeeter is one of the early Christians that encouraged me in the Lord. He came from Lansing to be come to Parkview because he was working at GM and he needed a good local church and his pastor suggested Parkview and he came in and they got busy. And they were a young couple. We were a young couple. Many of you, we fellowship with them. How about Prasuti night? How many remember Prasuti night? Janiski. We had a little league going on. We, we, we played that little hockey game, you know, the metal. Maybe you don't know. I mean, ever seen the big bubble hockey games and you... About three of you. Hmm. But we used to have like a little league going on, and we played till midnight with that stupid thing. Just laughing and carrying on, enjoying and talking about the Lord. And well, there's been so many hands touch our lives. What a privilege, the people of God that have come in and out of our lives. Heaven is just the touch of another Christians comforting hands encouraging hands I'll give you these and we got to quit the guidance of a Bible believing church maybe there's someone here this morning you're looking for a good church well you're sitting in one this morning and I don't pretend to know God's will for everybody but if you are looking for a church or you're vacillating you're waiting hey get in, get in a good church if this isn't the one find you one the guidance of a Bible-believing church, Hebrews 10.25, not forsaking the assembly of ourselves together as the manner of some is. We're not told not to be connected to a church in these last days. We're told to connect to a church. Sort one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. Thank God for the church. I was preparing this sermon. I was thinking about this church early on before I ever stepped in the doors. I was thanking God for the membership of this church before I ever came. 
I was thanking God for the first charter members of this church. Developed this ground, built these buildings. Thank God for their faithfulness. I was thanking God for the first givers, the first tithers, the first supporters of this ministry. The sacrifices of those few to plant a church here in Livonia, Michigan. The first leaders of the church. Those that sought the wisdom of God for the betterment of the church. I knew a few. I heard the story. Of course, Casey Poole, Mike Poole's uncle, uh, Bob Downing, others that established this work. The first pastors, the first deacons, the first Sunday school teachers. We owe a debt to them to carry on. And again, this church started assembling in 1961. 57 years ago, they organized, they chartered, I found the paperwork in 1963, so that's 55 years ago. And since that time, this church has been a lighthouse in this city, this community, this state. The old church, this old church still preaches about Jesus and appointing souls to Christ. This old church here still praises God, sending out the gospel message, supporting missionaries all over the world. This old church still stays with the King James Bible and the strong doctrines of the faith. It's still manning its ministries. You can't understand how many missionaries we've had come through here and preachers that say, where did you get all the young couples? Where are all these young children from? Folks, churches are dying. Young people today don't want anything to do with church affiliation, going to church, any church. I mean, not just independent fundamental Baptist, like fundamental's a bad word, church. Our younger society today wants nothing to do with any of it. And for us to have young families here with their children and them standing up on occasion and saying, I want to raise my church, kids in a church like I was raised, that is such a blessing to me, but more so to our Heavenly Father in this day of apostasy, this day of falling away. Thank God the church is still standing true, still training up disciples for the glory of God. Heaven has its eyes on us. All those that have passed. Amen, I believe it. We need to be thankful how fortunate, how blessed we are. And I'll say this and I'm done. Heaven is as close as a whisper of a prayer, a glance in the word of God, a touch of comforting hands and the good guidance of a Bible-believing local church. One more and I'm done. And this is what I hope speaks to us. The stepping forth or toward an old-fashioned altar. Heaven's not that far away. Again, we live in a day today where most churches don't have altar calls anymore. It's old-fashioned. It's obsolete. Why in the world would you want to embarrass yourself going down there like that? Well, I don't need to do that. I can do that right where I'm at. I'll do that when I get home. Problem is you don't, and you won't. Thank God for the old-fashioned altar. It's made a big difference in my life for many years. Matthew 12, in verse 28, the scripture says, make sure I read it right. But if I cast out devils by the Spirit of God, then the kingdom of God is come unto you, or else how can one enter into a strong man's house and spoil his goods, except he first bind the strong man, and then he will spoil his house? He that is not with me is against me, and he that gathereth not 
uh, with me scattered in that. Wherefore I say unto you, all manner of sin and blasphemy shall be forgiven me of men, but the blasphemy against the Holy Ghost shall not be forgiven of men. You know, that was my last sermon on Wednesday night. That is a great sermon and a great verse, but that's not what I wanted. Forgive me. But I, here's my point. Thank God for the altar in the church house. I've walked down the aisle many times, knelt at this altar. Many times I've placed my burdens at this altar. There have been many times I've come to this altar when no one else is around here. Just me and the Lord. Many times. And I'd come, now I have to have a handle. But many times I'd come down this altar and I'd lay before the Lord many times. Many times sit here, many times kneel at this altar. Still do. I first came to this altar in this church under the providence of God when I said I do to my wife. Her and I became husband and wife at this altar. We never had a dream in our hearts at this time that, that time that we'd ever be pastor and first lady of Parkview Baptist Church. Never in a million years. Luckily, Andy. Um, then we brought our babies down to this altar. Not all of them, because they weren't all here, you know, we at an altar. But this altar, several of them. Is at this altar that I came down and surrendered. Whatever you want. This altar, I come. Thank God for my dad, mother, to get saved. This altar, I come and pray for co workers and neighbors and family members and many have been saved through the years. This altar. This altar is where the church kneeled and ordained me. For gospel ministry. This altar has been good to me. It's a place of meeting with God. It's a place of humbling oneself. It's a place of praising God and praying to God and confessing sin. It's a place of coming and putting your arm around your brother or your sister in Christ and bearing their burden. This altar. Old-fashioned. Obsolete? Don't need it anymore? Are you crazy? Altars of the Old Testament. Symbolic of giving it all to God. 
Jesus had altar calls as he would say, come unto me all you heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. He would offer himself and his salvation to those that had heard him preach. This altar has been good to me. This altar, about six years ago, was the place we ordained my son Daniel. This altar is where many of you trusted Christ. And if some of you weren't saved here, at another church you came to the old altar. This altar. Altar where I've seen God's people beg God for movement, for salvation. This altar. Uh, so, Heaven's not that far away. Visit to the altar. How long has it been that you've been to the old-fashioned altar? How long has it been? Maybe there's somebody here today that you are lost and you know it and you need to hit the altar and say, Preacher, I'm done playing games. I want to make sure. I want to know. You talked about funerals. When I go to funerals, Preacher, I'm not sure where you can be from now on. It's a place of dedicating your children. Have you done it? It's a place of you dedicating. How about rededication of your life? Bridger, you don't know what's happened. You know how I feel. I don't, but he does. But that's where you get it settled, right there. At altar. Every once in a while, we'll have invitation. And I'll notice, and, I, and please don't misunderstand me, Lee, but I'll notice there's several men that come to the altar to pray. And that blesses my heart. When I know that men will humble themselves and pray at an altar, that's saying something. Because women are sensitive. They do it. And don't, I'm not diminishing that. Please don't misunderstand me. But you get a bunch of men to come to an old-fashioned altar, that's saying something about what God's doing in the hearts. Many of you men have come to this altar on a regular basis pray. And you know why? Because you saw, you saw Chuck come to this altar. You know why he was here praying for me, praying for the invitation? So often. And I learned, I watched. Some of you picked up that same thing and you started coming. Some of you come now and do it quite readily because you, you want to be that kind of guy, that kind of man. Heaven is not that far away, church. Let's bow our heads if we would. As we close,